started a teaching series a few weeks ago on the blessed life. The blessed life. Every year we like to remind ourselves as a church family of the blessing of the covenant and the fact that we are already blessed. The Bible says, blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. Not who is going to bless us, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So we are already blessed. We love to remind each other to walk in the fullness of that blessing from time to time. And so in the past uh, three or four weeks or so, we've been teaching on the blessing. And I'm bringing a message this morning that I've titled, The Currency Called Faith. And before I go into the full you know, measure of this message this morning, I'd love to remind us of where we're coming from. A few weeks ago, uh, about two weeks ago, Pastor TJ uh, brought a message in the, in, the, in the midweek where we looked at the, the, the anatomy of the blessing, if I can put it that way. Yeah, uh, the structure of the blessing. And you know, I love to refer to this all the time. I love for every church member to have this somewhere where you can sit from time to time and remind yourself of, you know, the full gamut of the covenant. So you remind yourself that this is what I sign up to. This is the blessed life. This is the blessed life. They follow us on any of our social media platform or you get an email from church. I'm sure you, you have this imagery. You can save it, you know, download it, make it your screensaver, make it something that will remind you that this is the blessed life. Transgenerational blessing, generous character, steadfastness, impactful life, legacy, honor, persistent victory, wisdom, freedom from fear, provision and sufficiency. Not just provision, but sufficiency. An over, overflow of sufficiency. Yeah. Divine establishment and protection. So we enjoy great deliverances. And, in, and we're never terrified by the adversary. Divine direction. These are the components of the blessed life. And we read from, uh, started out from Psalm 112. We see how the psalmist there described the life of the blessed man. And I want us to read it together. Are you ready this morning? I said, are you ready? Is somebody alive and well? One, two, let's go. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandment. His descendant will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in his house. And his righteousness endures forever. Unto the upright there arises light in darkness is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. A good man deals graciously and lends. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he will never be shaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He will not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemy. He has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be exalted with honor. The wicked will see it and be grieved. He will gnash his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. The Lord bless the reading of his word. So from Psalm 112, we saw the components of the blessing. That the blessed man is not terrified. He doesn't live in fear. The blessed man has a life of peace. The blessed man, even in the face of affliction, even in the face, you know, 
of, of things that look terrible is steadfast because his heart is anchored on the faithfulness of God, not what is happening. A blessed man is the one that knows that what is written is more important than what is happening. So he puts his, his focus his steadfastly on what is written. A blessed man understands transgenerational blessing. Yeah, that God wants to bless my children and the one that will come after them and after them. The blessing of God goes beyond the fourth generation. That's what the scripture says. I remember I was having a, a chat with my daughter yesterday. Uh, just, just, you know, uh, and I just started feeling the Holy Ghost as I was talking to her. Uh, and the Holy Spirit gave me an analogy. You know, when children ask you questions, you have to be careful because they're highly impressionable. What you say that time can be with them to the end of their life. So don't answer a child frivolously, all right? Be careful. I can't remember the question she asked me, but we got to a point where I was trying to prove to her that she's supposed to be better than me. And he said, Dad, are you sure? I said, have you seen any car that is 2,000 model that is better than 2018? No. A 2,000 model cannot be better than 2018. The features, the capacity, you know, the smartness of the car, the gadgets, the shape, the look and feel, it will be better. Am I saying the truth? Yeah. If not, you won't buy it. Have you seen iPhone 6 that is better than iPhone 10? <laughs> You're just getting what I'm saying. So if human beings who got their sense from God will always create new model, what do you think God is doing? Yeah. This model, I told her, I said, this model is old. This is new model. You have to be better than me. According to God's divine ordination and order, every generation must be an improvement on the previous. Yeah. If human beings have enough sense to create better models, what do you think God will do? If you are not wishing that children should be better than you, you are a witch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, 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 wherever the spirit of God is in somebody's heart, a generation, the new one must be better than the previous. Same means everybody. And if the devil is trying to turn it around in your family, as a blessed person, you must enforce the victory of the cross. These children are going to be better than me. That is how a blessed man thinks. That's how a blessed man sees things. That's God's divine ordination. The devil tries to turn it around. That's why he, gives, he tries to give us sleepless nights about our children. You know, and telling you that you are just going to be wasting money on these children. They are not going to be okay. It's a lie. According to God's divine order, every generation must be better than the previous. So these kids are carrying double the portion of grace upon our lives. And they must turn out well. All who believe say a bigger amen. And if there's anyone that came into this service with concerns in your heart about your children or grandchildren, I declare according to the word of God that never fails. The unction upon this service is resting upon their life, wherever they may be. And it's transforming every situation in the name of Jesus. In record time, you return with a testimony over the life of those children. Anyone with any child with developmental delay, I speak as I've been commanded this morning. Those situations are turning around. Very soon, that which brings pain to your heart right now will be a source of celebration for you. In the name of the Lord Jesus. All who believe in the word of God say a bigger amen. amen. Praise God. 
So last Sunday, we made progress with the teachings we discussed the enemy called greed. Now remember reading from Proverbs 11 and verse 24 for the message translation. It says, the word of the generous gets larger and larger, and the word of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Can we read it together? One, two, go. One more time. The word of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. So we need to make a choice which world we want. Whether it's the world of the generous that gets larger and larger, or the world of the stingy that gets smaller and smaller. You know the way the King James Version put it? There's E that scatters and yet increases. There's E that we told more than is necessary and tends to poverty. We need to choose the world that we want. We said last week that greed and stinginess will make your world smaller. Because you think it's by hoarding that you become bigger. No. God wrote the constitution of the universe. And the world of the generous will always get larger and larger. So we said one thing that can, uh, that can stop you from living the blessed life is greed. Greed. If you're not here last Sunday, get a message, listen to it over and again, get on, on the internet, it's, it's there, you can watch it, listen. One of the things that will stop you from getting the fullness of the blessed life is greed, stinginess, and all that. But today, we want to look at something that will give you access to the blessing, that will give you better access to the blessing, and that's the currency that we call faith. Faith will open the door of the blessing more and more to someone that is already walking in the blessing. Open the door more and more to you. Uh, and faith is an offshoot of your attitude and disposition towards the word of God. You know, in Psalm 1, verse 1 to 3, that we read for benediction in this church, uh, it says, uh, 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 I'm blessed. So blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, uh, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of discomfort. Verse 2 says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord or in the word of the Lord. And in his word, he meditates day and night. And as a result of that, it's like a tree planted by the rivers of water. It brings forth its fruit in its season. Its leaf also shall not wither, and whatever it does prospers. So it's, it's, it's the positioning. The faith positioning opens you up to a wider door of blessings. That's what the faith positioning does. And the anchor of the faith positioning is how your attitude towards the word of God, how you treat the word of God, and also the understanding of the covenant. Knowing that a blessed man is blessed not because he has material possession, but because he has a covenant with God. So when you are conscious of the covenant, you enjoy more of the blessing. A blessed man derives his sustenance from God's word that is the covenant. So he is a covenant conscious person. A covenant conscious person. That's who he is. Is a covenant conscious person. A blessed man is a covenant conscious person. Can you hear me tell your neighbor, say, I'm a covenant conscious person. Say to somebody else, say, I'm a covenant conscious person. The covenant is activated and sustained by a life of faith in God. Covenant is activated and sustained by a life of faith in God. Somebody may still be wondering, what does it mean to have faith in God? I'm going to explain that a little bit as I go forward. What does it mean to have faith in God? 
Faith is the currency of the blessing. In the material world, you need a currency. You need a note or a coin or, or a check or a bank draft or something, you know, to procure. In the spirit, we don't buy with money. We buy with faith. The means of exchange is faith. That's the currency of the spirit. God is not moved by emotions. If it's by emotions, everybody in Africa should be better off right now because we, we know how to pray, how to gesticulate, how to shake our heads, how to cry, how to, you know, how to gyrate, if I can use that word. Yeah, yeah. Especially if you're a Pentecostal Christian. We can gyrate. Am I saying the truth? Yeah. God is not moved by emotions. God is moved by faith. If it's by crying, all the people, all the town criers by now should have. <laughs> yeah. God is not moved by emotions, as in just display of emotions. If you are displaying emotion, it must be by faith. It must be moved with faith. You can cry in God's presence, but if that cry is not coming from a heart of faith, it delivers nothing. Fear moves the devil. Faith moves God. Fear, a lot of people here know that if you want something bad to happen, just think it, be afraid of it, give yourself 24 hours, it will happen. If somebody sows a seed of fear in your heart, that if you go out there, a car will hit you. You know, the fear will be so strong, you just find yourself in the middle of the road until the car comes. Yeah, that's the way it happens. The devil is moved by fear. The fear of failure will invite the devil to bring the spirit of failure. The devil walks like a dog. You know, you know the way the dogs walk? If, you, if a dog is barking and you stand in front of the dog, square your shoulders and it's barking and you are doing this, the dog will come down after a while, put his tail between his legs and walk away. But if the dog is barking and you are... The dog will move in closer. He's smelling, you know, trying to perceive the fear in you and with that, as you are moving, until he starts to pursue you and drag you. That's the way the devil walks. Most people don't understand it. You can't be caught in fear and anxiety and fretting, you know, and negative expectations all the time. Negative expectation. Don't say that's how it is in our family. No, that's a bad attitude, bad culture. Because somebody is traveling from maybe one city to the other from Lagos to Ibadan. Until they get to Ibadan and call you, you can't eat. Yeah. You are the one that is inviting the accident. I'm telling you the truth. What happens to the peace of God in your heart? Because of the covenant consciousness that you carry. That if God says he will protect, he will protect. And his power has not diminished. No, don't give me that and say, you know, in our family, everybody has high blood pressure because we're always afraid. No, you, you are now a child of God. If you live a covenant conscious life, you live in covenant consciousness, you, it, it does something to you. You are a blessed man. You live in peace. You are anxious for nothing because you know it has been settled before the foundation of the heart. Delay is not denier. What is written is more important than what is happening. And if you understand the word of God, you live from that standpoint. Are you still with me today? Yeah. Yeah. 
The presence of evil does not signal the absence of God. God is the one that gives peace in the midst of the storm. Even Jesus experienced a storm. And that's the first begotten of the Father. It shows that we also will experience storm. But in the midst of the storm, what did Jesus do? He rebuked the storm and said, peace be still. The way some Christians behave is as if because we are a Christian, storm must never come. Why do you read that in the Bible? How will you have testimony if storm does not come? We read that today and we saw that Jesus used his power against the storm. And he said, behold, I give you the same power, authority. Is somebody say with me today? So if you came into the service this morning, you're watching online or any, at any of our locations and, you know, you just, you, you feel like God has departed from you. Uh, God is no longer in your life. Tell the devil, cut the crap. That's the way you should. Tell the devil like that. I don't want to hear that again. Change the, the, to another station in your mind. And that's the station of the word of God. Yeah. Word FM. Yeah. That's what you should be listening to. Yeah. Because you have been hearing something that is not from God. Somebody say with me today. Very important. Very imp- I just wanted to underscore that, you know, very well. So faith is the currency of the blessing. If you can put up a covenant consciousness. Because somebody, like I said, somebody is asking, what, what does faith mean? Faith is covenant consciousness. Yeah, it's covenant consciousness. Understanding that God has the capacity to perform. I was explaining in the first service. When you're signing a contract with someone, one of the things that move you to put your signature is that you've done your due diligence, you know the person can perform. Am I saying the truth? Yeah. You know if it's a contract that you're giving out to somebody to do a job for you, you, you check, the, the, you do a background check. You tell them to submit their proffer. You see what they've done before. You get referrals, I, I mean, you, you get references from people that they've worked with. You ask for job completion certificates of all the different jobs that they have done. Based on that, you know they've demonstrated capacity. You ask, possibly, if you still have some doubt in your heart, you tell them to get a bank guarantee. Am I saying the truth? Yeah, from their bankers to show that if anything happens, their bankers, they trust them enough to stand shorty for them. And then you sign the contract. In our covenant with God, God knew that you and I, uh, we cannot be relied on. Yeah. So what he did was that he signed being the guarantor for us and the client at the same time. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. It's like you want somebody to borrow you money. He says, where's collateral? He says, I don't have collateral. Or he knows you don't have collateral. Now put the deposit of more than enough, more than what you're asking for in the bank. And say, borrow him money, I'm guaranteeing it, and he's going to use the money to work for me. So I've absorbed you of all the liabilities. Because my faithfulness is too much. So when we say God is faithful, that's what we're talking about. Man is weak in the flesh. But when we come under the grace, grace brings us into his family, salvation, 
and gives us an empowerment to live up to expectation. So it's a guarantee. <laughs> it's like you wanting somebody to come to your family and say, do you think well? Say yes. How can I be sure? Because you're antecedent. You have been behaving like a coconut head for say all the same, I'm still going to adopt you. But when I adopt you now, something will happen to you that will make you to start to think right and be one that's putting it on you. That's how grace works. Is somebody still with me today? So you don't look at yourself as somebody who has been failing consistently in your work with God and write yourself off. I say God doesn't want people like this. The working of grace is the one that guarantees that when you come into God and you live in the consciousness of the covenant, you start to see the hand of God work in your life. In Genesis 22, when you read verse 17, whenever a man walks in the consciousness of the covenant and judge God faithful, what happens? God pronounces a blessing over him. That means covenant consciousness opens the door to the manifestations of the blessing. God told Abraham, sacrifice your son. Abraham could have said, am I sure if I kill this boy, God will raise him up and say, I'm not doing it. But Abraham was conscious of the efficacy of his power and the strength of the covenant. He laid the boy down, raised the knife to kill the boy. And God said, you are faithful. And what was the result of that? Genesis 27, I mean 22 and verse 17. And God started to swear over him. Blessing, I will bless you. Multiplying, I will multiply you. Your descendants shall be like the stars. What will make God swear over a man? It is when a man walks in covenant consciousness. Yeah. And judges God faithful to the point that you can walk in full obedience. Notwithstanding how difficult it seems, you command superlative blessings over your life when that happens. That was what happened to Abraham. Somebody say, I'm blessed. Or somebody say it again, say, I'm blessed. Abraham's work of faith connected him to the blessing. His relationship with God was personal, not theoretical. And it brought about the covenant. So whereas greed will hinder you, faith will catapult you into the blessed life. Greed will hinder you, but faith will catapult you into the blessed life. And faith is simply having a covenant consciousness. A covenant consciousness. To live like a prince, you have to think like a prince. You have to see yourself like a prince. To live like a princess, you have to see yourself like a princess. Yeah. You have to, you know, the way you carry yourself, your confession, your business dealings, your family life, your outlook to life, everything must look like that of a prince or princess. The way a prince will dress in the kingdom is such that everyone will see the person and know that he's a prince. Am I saying the truth? The same way for a princess. So it's covenant consciousness, understanding who I am. So the question today is, are you conscious of the covenant and confident of the covenant? Those are the two things we saw in the life of Abraham. He was conscious of the covenant, and at the same time, he was confident in the covenant. So he, he experienced the blessing in a measure that you cannot explain. 
No, no one in the days of Abraham could see Abraham as, and second guess whether he was blessed or not. His blessing was not by the things that could be seen. You know, what we call blessing today is not really the blessing. It's just a byproduct of the blessing, the offshoot of the blessing. Yeah. We're here right now in this auditorium. This place is, you know, uh, we have air conditioners. You can feel, you know, the, the, the cool breeze. What is powering it? Electricity. All right? That's the effect of the fact that this place is powered by electricity. The AC is not electricity. I hope you understand what I'm saying. But electricity produces an effect. Light that's making this place, you know, to be bright right now is because there's power supply, electricity supply. The light is not electricity, but this is the byproduct of electricity. It's the same thing. You can see a car, a big house, you know, children and all that, and say, this is the blessing. The real blessing is intangible. It's an offshoot of the covenant relationship with God. What we call the blessing is just a byproduct of it. I pray God will open somebody's eyes today to focus on the real blessing in the precious name of Jesus. So are you conscious and confident in the blessing? The two ways people come about relationships. I wanted to listen to this. I'll explain it in two or three minutes and move to the last part of the message. There are two ways people come about relationships. One is blood, blood relationship. I'm sure most of us here have siblings. How many people have siblings? Can I see a show of hands? You have siblings? Yeah. Because they are your siblings, you have a relationship with them. Am I saying the truth? I said, am I saying the truth? Sitting beside your sibling, this relationship is for life. God packaged it. There's nothing you can do about it. You can choose to say they are no longer your sibling because you separated from them. Just like some men will say, I, I, how do they put it? I disown you. Yeah. Yeah. As if uh, fatherhood is just like joke. That's your decision, but it's, it's everyone cannot ratify it. Because it was divine ordination that you gave back to this person. Am I saying the truth? But out of the, the wrath of man, anger, we say I disown. <laughs> blood is thicker than water. Is that not what we say? So we come into a relationship by blood or by proximity. Both of them, we call them relative. <laughs> I hope you understand what I'm saying. When we come into a relationship by blood with someone, we say the person is my relation or relative. Am I saying the truth? Proximity is also a language of relativity. How somebody is following me? Yeah. Uh, if you're a science student, you understand the theory of relativity. It's about the distance and space between two objects. So when somebody comes close to you, you start to develop relationship with them. Am I saying the truth? Proverbs 18 and verse 24. The Bible says, He that wants a friend must of himself be friendly, and there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. This talks about relationship both by blood and relative distance, proximity. Am I saying the truth? These are the two ways we come into a relationship. Either by blood or by the people you roll around with. Am I saying the truth? 
Yeah, so if you work with somebody for 10 years in the same office, you see each other every day, you go to lunch together, you eat, you talk, you talk about family, you talk about everything, you depend on them, maybe you even invest money together and all that. After a while, you realize that they are closer to you than your blood brother. Proximity is one of the languages of the mind. It can create relationships that are stronger than blood relationships. When it comes to our relationship with God and what we call covenant consciousness, it's both blood and proximity that are important. That's where I'm going. Both blood and proximity are important to God. So, when it comes to, to uh, blood, for instance, Romans chapter 8, when you read from verse 12, it says, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to, to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, for if, we, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live by the Spirit and you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are sons of God. We're talking blood right now. They are sons of God. If you, uh, for you, you did not receive the Spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received what? The Spirit of adoption. Yeah. Adoption brings you into blood relationship. Spirit of adoption by whom, by whom you cry out what? Abba, Father, which is Daddy in English. Daddy. The scripture here reinforces the fact that you and I must be conscious of the fact that we are in a blood relationship with God. It says, by the Spirit of God on our inside, we can cry Daddy. So the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are what? Is anybody still here? That we are what? That we are what? That you are what? Glory be to Jesus. And he said, if children, then heirs. Heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. Heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. Heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. We have a blood relationship. It's a blood relationship. In John chapter 6, Jesus uh, 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 yeah, Jesus looked at the disciples and said, if you don't drink my blood and eat my flesh, you don't have a part in me. This is a blood relationship. When we share the communion, we are reminding ourselves of the blood relationship between us and God. Yeah. And the second part of it is that God doesn't just want us to be brothers, with, I mean with Jesus, he wants us to be close. <laughs> You know, I said there are two parts to relationship. It can be the path of the blood. It can be the path of uh, proximity. God wants us to come close. Somebody sing with me. Yeah. He wants us to come close. He wants us to, to come close. In Hebrews 13, uh, when you read uh, Hebrews 13 from verse 5, so let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself, talking about God, has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, so that you may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do unto me. God promised, said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He values closeness. So God wants us to be conscious of the blood relationship and to be conscious of the fact that he wants us to maintain close proximity with him. 
Blood loses its potency where there's no proximity. Anyone can father a child, but not everyone is a true father. A true father is the one that stays close. God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You have to be conscious of that in all of your dealings. The big question this morning is what kind of proximity do you share with God? What kind of proximity do you share with God? The devil will always want to tamper with your sense of proximity to God. Because it affects the efficacy of the covenant. He wants to tamper with your sense of proximity to God. Every time the devil tempts you to sin, it's not because he has any power over you to destroy you, know, you or destroy the relationship. He wants to damage it so that your consciousness of the covenant will diminish. And the more it diminishes, the more your faith also diminishes. That's how it works. When God says don't for commit fornication, it's not because or adultery, it's not because God has a wife here that he doesn't want you to sleep with. No. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. What he, why he's saying that is that he knows that that will that make this relationship reduce the efficacy of the relationship between you and him and reduces his capacity to manifest himself over your life. Sin is a destroyer of relationship. And that includes our relationship with God. And we must be conscious of that. Covenant consciousness means that I will not do anything to hurt this arrangement. I want to, you know, safeguard it as much as possible. What kind of proximity do you share with God? Christians, you have the advantage of the blood and proximity. Jesus shared his blood for you. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. But are you living in the reality of this advantage? That's the important thing. Are you living in the reality of this advantage? It's not enough to be born again. Continually cultivate a true relationship with God. We need to continually cultivate a true relationship with God. Let me give an example I gave in the first service. That hearing from God is like connecting, you know, via Bluetooth. That's how it is. That's what hearing from God is like. You know, a lot of the time, I drive in the same car with my wife. She has a music app on her phone. Maybe Apple Music and all that. So the car picks a track from her phone. And we're enjoying it and listening to it. And then we get to where we're going. Usually she's the first to come down. And then she's already walking away. And after a while, maybe I'm still trying to you know, do something, put the car in proper place. I just realized that the music I'm enjoying is fading. After a while, it will start cracking. After a while, it will just go off to say that the owner of the music has carried the music away. So, some people say they're struggling to hear God. The problem is not God. The problem is your relative distance. Are you still with me today? Yeah. You can't be walking away and be hearing clearly. If you are closer, you will hear sharper. Yeah, that's how it works. If you draw closer, you will hear better. Because there will be relative connectivity, which will enhance your capacity to hear. When you, when you value a relationship with God, you don't struggle to hear him. It just comes like a thought, like an idea into your heart. 
God speaks to you as person. You wake up, you know, you, you know, you just be hearing clearly. Sometimes we even feel it when, you know, when people are praying for you. Because you just realize that everything just seems to connect very well because uh, your relationship with God is doing well. Every other thing is working well at the same time. I, as we had the Ogomi project and I, I go there, you know, periodically just to see what is going on and I see people, maybe they just operated on, on, on their eyes and they're now seeing, they'll start praying for me, you know, and all that. Every day of this week, I woke up with a feeling of being closer to God. And I felt that, look, it's the prayer of the people. I woke up this morning around 4.30 or 4 a.m. and I was hearing God clearly. Hearing God clearly. It's not difficult. You just, you just need to put yourself in an atmosphere and get closer. Somebody's still with me today. Get closer. Get closer. Build your relationship with God and cement your faith in him. And as I close this morning, I love to challenge somebody here that to walk in the fullness of the blessed life you need to firm up your faith work. One of the way, I mean, some of the ways to do that is one, by putting a premium on your relationship with God. Growing spiritually should not be casual. You have to go out of your way to cultivate a meaningful relationship with God. You know, I say this, and I'm going to continue to say it, but it is written in the heart of everyone. That growing hold is automatic but growing up is intentional. Growing old is automatic. So as you wake up, you know I'm growing old, but am I really growing up? Yeah. Growing up, whether spiritually or emotionally, is intentional. You can be 50 and be 17 emotionally. Yeah. So the devil harasses you with everything. Before we hear anybody talk, you're already crying. You know, you just refuse to grow up emotionally. Yet the Bible talks about the spirit of might. And he said he will strengthen you by his, your, his spirit in your innermost being. That is the spiritual shock absorber that you have by the Holy Ghost. It's called emotional fortitude. You can't just be breaking down at every affliction. The Bible says, in nothing terrified by your adversary. That comes with growing up emotionally. But it is intentional. It is intentional. When you are frivolous about your relationship with God, growing up is not intentional. You just realize you are growing old, but you are not growing up, whether spiritually or emotionally. Somebody stay with me today. When you pay better attention to the word of God, you will grow up spiritually. The things that challenge you in time past will not be able to challenge you again today. Paul was, I mean, Peter was writing his first Peter chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. He said, therefore, Laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. As new babes, newborn babes, he says, desire this, the pure milk of the world that you may grow. It comes with desire, desire, desire. How much desire do you have for the world? Don't be like, you know, like a, uh, an African child that they force feed. You know how they force feed children that refuse to eat. They put the, put the child somehow, make sure the mouth, and then force the thing in. Yeah. Especially when you have this kind of stature that I have. Yeah. My mom will say, ah, you won't eat, you won't eat. 
Come here. Come. That's the way some of us are in the spirit. You are too lean in the spirit. Just say the truth. You can't move a fly in the spirit. Yeah. Wind is carrying you in the spirit. Ordinary fan, evil fan is blowing you in the spirit. Yeah. Like a sheet of paper. Weightless Christian. Can't move a fly in the spirit. You need to feed up. Yeah. And it's intentional. It has to be intentional. I want to grow up spiritually. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the world. Yeah. Paul was writing in 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 1. He said, and I, brethren, cannot, you know, refer to you or communicate with you as, as spiritual, but as unto Cana, because you are babes in Christ. Anytime I read that, I just pray for this church, that this church will not be a Corinthian church. Because what kind of church will Paul be writing that to? A whole church. Yeah. I, brethren, could not speak to you as unto spiritual people, but as unto Cana, as to babes in Christ. Ah, from where to where? He said, I came to, I planted this church, I walked away. After many years, you are still babies. That was what he was writing there. And he wrote, he said, where there's envy, there's this, there's that. He said, I fed you with milk, not with solid food. For until now, you are not able to receive it. And even now, I still refuse to grow up. What kind of church is this? I'm sure Paul was writing this in anger. To say, wake up, wake up. And that's what I say to you this morning, Elevation Church. That it's time to develop appetite for God's word. To draw closer to him. To be intentional about your spiritual development. Also, you need to walk in obedience. In obedience. Isaiah 1 and verse 19. It, it says, uh, uh, if we live in obedience, we hit the good of the land. Obedience is important. A lot of us hear things in our spirit. God is nudging you in a particular direction, you disobey. You are limiting your capacity to enjoy the blessed life. Job 36 and verse 11, if they obey and serve him, they will spend their days in pleasure and their years in prosperity. That's what the scripture says. Tell your neighbor, live a, live a life of obedience. Or tell somebody, I say, live a life of obedience. Be resolute in your faith. Yeah. Be resolute in your faith. Don't be easily shaken. Know who you are. And who you believe. Very important. Maybe I should add one or two more. Align your confession with his word. In Malachi 3 and verse 13, God said, Your word withstood me. We are blessed, all right, but you cannot want to live like a king and talk like a pauper. Your word will stand between you and God. God says, Speak well. Covenant consciousness will affect how we speak. It will affect your words. A covenant child of God cannot speak like, you know, a helpless fellow. Somebody who doesn't have help. Saying things like, I don't even know why my own is like this. No. Men and brethren, what shall we do that we may be saved? Not that we're helpless. Because there's help for us. Say amen, somebody. Or say a better amen, somebody. Don't let your word stand between you and God. Learn to align your words and your covenant consciousness. Help has been released on my behalf. As you go into a new week, you speak help. You speak grace. You speak the favor of God over your week. God orders my steps this week. 
Not that I've been going, I've been going, no, no result. No, don't talk like that. Yeah. You're not just optimistic, you are walking in covenant consciousness. Lastly today, focus on the spiritual. Focus on the spiritual. Focus on the unseen, not the seen. God is the source. Your employer is just a channel. Your job is a channel. Don't focus on the, the, that job. That's not your source. It's just a channel. God wants to give you multiple channels and wants to enhance the channel that you have. But that won't happen by focusing on the channel. You have to focus on the source. Second Corinthians uh, 4 and verse 18, uh, uh, the Bible talks about, you know, how we, 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 we focus on the things which are not seen. So why we do not look at the things which are seen? But the things which are seen are what? Temporal. Yeah. And temporal means subject to change. That means it's not permanent. The things which are not seen, what is written is more important than what is happening. Say amen, somebody. Or say better amen, somebody. So don't let what you see influence what you believe or what you believe God for. Believe God based on his written word, based on his promises, based on the inheritance that he has promised you in this world. So to walk in the blessing, spend faith and not money. Don't focus on money. Focus on the blessing. And you see the effect of the blessing showing up in your life consistently. Is somebody blessed today? I said, is somebody blessed today? If you're blessed, please appreciate Jesus. Appreciate Jesus. Appreciate Jesus. Praise God. Lift your two hands and say after me. Say, I believe in the efficacy of the covenant. Say, I'm, a, I, I'm in covenant with God. I will walk in the consciousness of the covenant. Say, the blood will speak for me. The blood speaks over my life. Every day of this new week. Say, every day of this new week, I'm coming closer and closer and closer to God. I will hear him clearly. I will not miss my steps. I will be at the right place at the right time, with the right people, doing the right things. Say, I will get unusual result this week in the name of Jesus. Say, I'm conscious of the blessing. I'm conscious of the covenant. I'm a blessed man. And I walk in the covenant all the days of this new week. And I'm returning with a testimony in the precious name of Jesus. Say, all things are working together for my good say I'm not afraid of evil tidings because God is always with me he's working everything together for my good say God is watching my back he's in my front he's all around me say my life is hidden in him so no evil is permitted to touch me say I walk free of fear I walk in boldness and confidence that only God can give. Say, I'm not moved by what is happening with my channels. I focus on my source. Say, my source is unmovable. My source cannot run dry. My source holds the heavens and the earth. So it's watching over me and meeting me at every point of need. 
If you believe that, shout a believing amen. amen. Somebody put your hands together, celebrate Jesus today. Hallelujah. As you go into your week, focus on the source. 